Bring it in. And we are, I don't know what, six weeks away from the start of the NFL football season, which means the read option is in full football mode. I told you last week we would be going hard into the NFL and college football. Uh, We have the whole crew here together. The goal is to have the whole crew here together as much as possible over the next five to six weeks. So that way we can get everybody covered, previews, for all, what, 32 NFL teams, as well as all Power 5 conferences in college football with some of the things mixed in. We'll have a free uh, fantasy pod mixed in there as well. So we got lots of good stuff coming. Uh, I will break up the format is essentially we are going to be doing two divisions, the AFC West, NFC West today on Tuesday. And then on Friday pods, we will do one of the Power 5 conferences to get everybody ready so that way, by the time football is officially kicking off, end of August, beginning of September, we're locked and loaded and ready to go. But before we get into all of that, the whole crew is back. First time in a few weeks. Both of you guys, we're, we're repping both of your teams today. We're talking about the Broncos of the AFC West and the Niners and the NFC West. So we can get oh. all, all of Scott's uh, biases out of the way. <laughs> and then we don't have to hear it again for a little while uh, it's, until the wild. I just. I just had this T-shirt on. I didn't know we were doing uh, yeah. NFC West preview. That's crazy. I mean, good good timing by me, though. I think. Yeah, you you weren't on the pod last week when when I said that and we talked about that. You were no, I wasn't. No, we did that no. at a bar. <laughs> uh, that's right. I was solo last week. Forgot about that. Well, I did say it on the pod last week. Uh, Vito, you are wearing uh, your Von Miller jersey. I am Bronco Von Buff- Miller jersey. Buffalo Bill. Von Miller. I mean, listen, love the Bills. Glad he skate like literally got traded, got a Super Bowl, and now is on another team I like. I mean, I wish it was my Broncos, but you know, good for him. He got paid. So yeah, uh, nothing did. but love. Especially a late, late year, late career, big contract like that. He uh he definitely proved it with that run with uh with the Rams. You know, we were we were yeah. talking beforehand, Vito, and I love this analogy that you used because football. We, as we were discussing right before we started recording, you know, football by the end of the season, we're bitching about, especially me, Howie Roseman, usually, uh, coaching <laughs> staff, somebody's getting bitched out. Uh, we all hate our own teams. Uh, in fact, Scott said the unthinkable to me last week, which is that he actually kind of hates the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is getting traded, uh, or eventually will get traded because, and this is a direct quote from Scott. <laughs> All Jimmy G does is win football games. That's all he does. Wow. Wins football games. Wow. A winner. He's a walking <laughs> dub. Super Bowl. So yeah, uh, the big one. <laughs> I don't know, Vito. I feel as though we need to, we need to, you know, ban. I think we should get at least three minutes of talking about the Niners before Scott's allowed to jump in on it because of that comment alone and the amount of times I think to so. yell at him I, I, on this podcast. <laughs> so funny, man. Because I've been saying the exact same thing about Jimmy G and then but this is what happens, right? You get to the season's about to kick off or getting ready and you put it ber- perfectly. It's like a long distance relationship, right? You don't see them for, oh, yeah. for, for a few months. You come together. It's like you're almost dating all over again. And then by the end of it, you remember, oh yeah, this is why, you know, this is why we needed a break. This is, this is why you <laughs> need to go take your, your trip to Greece 
you know, with, <laughs> with your girlfriends and, and hung out with the, you know, the cute Greek bellhop. No, you're right. Cause this is totally like at the end of February, we're all like, you know, we're bitching about rules and the tie rule and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden now it's, I, I was just telling you guys, I was like, man, I mean, the Broncos could have had 10 wins. That was my bet that I lost with you guys. We're, we were seven and 10. Like we were not that we close, right but there. in my mind, uh, in my mind, it's like, you know what? And, and, and we were just saying like, how much better were the Bengals than the Broncos in the regular season? Yeah. We could have had a run. Like, we're I feel like with Russell worse. Wilson, we're about to jump the level. And I feel like that's how every NFL fan is right now. It's that sweetheart phase. And, and I was joking that my coworkers and my family and my friends are always like around August, September, October. Like, man, you just in a better mood. What's up? And I'm like, football's back, baby. Like, this is this is what we're all here for. So T- Ted Lasso put it in. perfectly, right? You know, it's or that episode in Ted Lasso at the end of season one, right? It's the hope that kills you. Right. Yeah. And every single year, we're all going to buy into the hope. We're going to buy into the hype in one way or another. I think it's insane that you, I mean, I, now we reverse. He's now I'm like, well, you, you drafted Trey Lance and we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. But <laughs> yeah, Scotty, Scotty is going to be, I'm going to mute Scott for the first three minutes of uh, when we break down the Niners and just watch him stew uncomfortably. That's his penance for, for throwing the same take I've been saying at him for two years back in my face like that. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right. But like I said, at the top, we're doing the West, both in the AFC and, and NFC West today. We're going to start with the AFC West, undeniably the most loaded division in the NFL. Uh, I don't know if I would want to be a fan because in college football, you're like, oh, the Big Ten or the SEC East or you know SEC West is like, oh, we're the best division in college football. That's a good thing because the right rising tide helps lift all boats in college football. In the NFL, it's Vanderbilt. A little, in the NFL, it's a little bit different, right? In the NFL, you kind of you don't want the rest of your division to be bad, but you also kind of want the rest of your you, you do want the rest of your like you would much rather be the Packers this year with another year of Kirk Cousins and then now a new head coach for the Minnesota Vikings, the Lions and the Bears, knowing that, all right, it seems pretty clear that the Packers have the NFC North comfortable. I don't know. I mean, Vito, you are a fan of a team in the AFC West. Good thing or bad thing having your division this loaded in your eyes? Because there are pros and cons to it, right? You get tested more. You might have a better run through the playoffs because you've had to play better opponents. There's a bunch of arguments for it, but I, I would much rather just have an easy walk and win the division and get to the playoffs. Yeah, I think as a fan, you want the easiest schedule possible um, in the NFL, right? I think that, like, divisionally, you're going to play six games against these three teams in total, and you'd rather have six wins or five wins than be three and three or two and four out of this set. I mean, it's a huge – right, it's a third of the season. Mm-hmm. So when you when you break it down like that, it's like, man, this a third of your season against playoff – potential teams is way harder than to your point, the NFC North right now, if you're the Packers. And I think that where this comes from, um, or I guess the counter argument work, what comes out is like, you know, you do want to see good games. You want to watch your team go up against the best to know that you are good. And it's not just, you're beating up, you know, people you should. Um, It definitely tests your team early and often. The hard part is the way they schedule the NFL, right? You play divisional games now early and late. There's a lot of late divisional games. So no matter what happens, this AFC West is going to come down to December and into January about who's going to get the top seed in the playoff spots. And, and they all play each other. It's This is the division that almost had the tie to send two teams in at the end of last season. So um, and, and we're going to go to all the offseason acquisitions, but this is going to be an intense division. And I wish I was in 
another one i have to say <laughs> and if i may the uh the way that the schedule rotation goes this year these two divisions play each other in interconference so the afc west is playing the nfc west so everything we're talking about today uh in in terms of storylines for the division also apply to to both of these divisions because we're playing each other absolutely uh and there's a lot to get into so uh i've kind of ranked each division but what i think is most interesting to talk about slash a little bit of who i think the best teams are uh and we're going to start with what is it four-time reigning division champion they kansas city chiefs uh a new look kansas city chiefs this year it's still patrick mahomes still travis kelsey no tyreek hill you still have andy reed there uh the other big piece that i think people have already started to forget uh no tyron matthew who Say what you will, probably the most important player. You know, it's that old cliche, like, oh, he's not the best player on that defense, but he's the most important player. Uh, he might be both in the case of the, the Kansas City teams in years past. Um, completely different team. The schedule alone, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Scotty, because Kansas City and, and the whole NFC, NFC West playing each other, I don't think the NFC West is as top-loaded as it was a year ago where the NFC West was the unquestioned best team or best division in the NFL. Uh, they had three teams make the postseason early on. We thought there's a chance that we might have had four teams from the NFC West make the postseason. Ultimately, only three did. But still, they had three teams in the playoffs. Uh, the AFC West, I think, has kind of taken that mantle. You have four stud quarterbacks. And we debated this at the time when all the movement was going around. I still think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in that division. Uh, and I still think Andy Reid is the best head coach in that division. So am I wrong to for going into this season expecting the Kansas City Chiefs to still be the favorites? No. I think they still have to be the favorites, to your point. The consistency to get to the divisional championship level. Like, there, there's just too much there. So, um, you know, just what they've done in the past four years or so, it, it's, it's uh, in the division and then in the playoffs, make it so that they're the favorite. They have to be. Yeah, to me, it's it's prove it uh, until you can anymore, right? We say the same thing about uh, about teams like Alabama in uh, in college football, right? <clears throat> or even when we talk about specific players like Tom Brady. Um, uh, but like, I, I I can't see a reason why they wouldn't be. Uh, the only thing that jumps out to me is is uh, is on defense. I mean, they lost not only Tyron Matthew, they lost Trivarius West, they lost Soren, Daniel Sorensen, who was a staple in the as a safety back there. Um, they lost a couple of guys on the line, Jaron Reed, uh, who went to the Packers. Uh, so uh, there's there's a ton of, of talent that they lost on the defensive side of the ball. And we all knew that that was their weakness for the last couple of years anyway. So interested to see how that uh, gets kind of revamped uh, and rethought about uh, as, as they enter the season. But to the point about Patrick Mahomes, no way, man. Uh, that offense uh, is, is going to be good uh, with some of the additions they've made. Um, and again, like where when Patrick Mahomes was at his best last year was when he was taking what the defense gave him instead of forcing the ball, bombing it downfield to uh, to Tyree Kill all the time and trying to blow the top off of that two safety look. If they're going to play two, he did a really good job of of taking what the like I said what the defense gave him, making the smart play, not the uh, not the exciting play necessarily. Well, yeah, I, also, I do. Th go ahead, Vito. I was going to say the other loss, obviously, the Tyreek Hill loss. Like I feel like the Juju Smith-Schuster thing and adding that, like they're 
it seems like now they're a team that's so good that all their players are going to get other contracts and they're throwing band-aids on. Right. And, and I think we could be, this could be the first time where um, not as confident in picking them first as years past. You have the chargers coming up very strong. You have the Broncos coming up very strong. Oakland, or, sorry, Oakland, uh, Las Vegas still obviously is in the mix with Derek Carr and what the passing offense did last year. So I think this, this gap has definitely closed but I don't mind it. It's starting with the chiefs. <laughs> I, I think up like, I think face value it's closed. Right. I, and I think that's a good point, right? Cause it's felt like, all right, you have the chiefs and then you have a gap and then you can talk about these other teams that objectively, you know, the chargers year two last year with Justin Herbert, you know, Derek Carr, and then they get Devonte Adams now, right. We're expecting mm-hmm. better things. And then obviously Russell Wilson um, and, and a young team around him in Denver and, and trying to see if he can elevate that roster there was a lot of talk last year about, you know, Kansas City getting stale, right? The, the Chiefs are more stale now than they used to be because it, it felt like the same old thing. You have Travis Kelsey over the middle, Tyreek throwing it deep. And defenses, I don't want to say caught on, but they just eliminated – because Travis Kelsey still had a monster year, right? So it's not like the whole offense stagnated, as did Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill also had a really another really, really good season, which is why he went for what he did when they traded him to Miami. I wonder, however, if this is forcing them to, you know, change what they've done, change the formula. You know, Nick Saban has been able to stay sustainable and and continue this run of dominance because the recruiting aspect had never changed, at least not until the last, you know, year or so here with NIL. For the most part, he could go out and get the best players. If he wanted to start recruiting the best wide receivers away from the Big 12 and bring them to the SEC – that's what we're going to do. If he's going to start recruiting top-tier quarterbacks, that's what he's going to do. And he would win because he's Nick Saban and it's Alabama, and that's what they're able to ultimately do. You didn't have to change the formula in college football if you were one of the best. In the NFL, you're forced to because you're, you're dealing with guys who go and sign other places. You're dealing with guys like Tyreek Hill who want to get traded, who want to go different places, who do no longer want to stay under that, hey, I'm, I'm here, I want to do something else, or they're chasing a bag somewhere. I'm wondering if this renovation, this changing of an offense, right? They get Juju, they get Marquez Valdez-Scantling, both in free agency. They go out and draft Sky Moore in, was it the late second round, early third round, who was another burner. Second round, thank you, Scotty. Who was another burner. And then you still have Travis Kelsey there, who's going to be the primary pass catcher. But this Ronald is going to be a, too. They added out of the backfield. Can, yeah, and we'll get to we'll get to the running the backs. I'm, I'm talking more about just right now Mahomes and, and the wide receiver, the passing offense, because we've never seen Mahomes in a situation where he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. And that connection was so new and so exciting. This is a big moment. We've talked about forever how Aaron Rodgers makes Jordy Nelson into a multi-time pro bowler, right? We, we've seen guys who are elevated because of the quarterback that they play with. We don't know if Pastor Mahomes can do that yet. I'm not going to be the one that says that he can't. I'm going to definitely, my guess is I think he will, but I also think we see a different offense because in a weird way, Andy Reid and Mahomes and the Chiefs have an opportunity here to show the league something that he's never had to do before. And he showed some of it last year when they changed how that offense was. He wasn't forcing the ball to what he had been for. It changed. It forced Mahomes to change the way he approached mm-hmm. the game. But now the roster is going to force them to change. And no one knows what that's going to look like. I think it will. I still think he'll be good. But I also don't think the, the idea of a regression for Mahomes this year is that crazy. I think 
people assume that Mahomes is going to come out and just still be elite. And, and it, he is elite. I love Mahomes, but yeah. I just think there's a possibility here that regret. I don't think regression's off the table. No, especially when we, we and we've talked about this plenty of times in the off season and the end of last year about the quarterbacks in the AFC and how many are there are and how many great ones. I mean, this could be the year Mahomes, you know, isn't an all pro, you know what I mean? Like th- there are definitely, there's a lot of talent and, and without Tyreek Hill, which by the way, I don't know if you saw, as I was doing a little research today, today, the 25th, when we're recording this, Tyreek Hill came out and said that um, Tua Tungavailoa was quote, the most accurate QB in the NFL or something like that, uh, which is, I mean, you're going to support your guy, but I, I love it as we're talking about Mahomes. It's like, dude, I don't know. You just came from probably the best of this generation, but you know, it, it's all right, Tyreek, you got to support your boy. But uh, no, I, I think like some of those cases, like you're saying, losing this in this division, having to go up over and over and over again against teams that have seen you now with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So in my opinion, this is a less impressive offensive unit and hopefully, um, <laughs> I say this because obviously I'm in the division, hopefully the AFC West can kind of shrink and, and collapse down on KC and, and take away some of their divisional dominance that they've had. Yeah. And, and the offensive line is still really, really good. And one of the things they yeah. did last year was, especially in the back half of the season, when they went on that run where they won was like seven games in a row that they won in the back half of last season. One of the things they, that they did and they did in the playoffs as well is they ran the ball a lot. They use Jared McKinnon, right? They use Clyde Edwards-Elaire. And then they go out and get Ronald Jones in free agency, right? So now you have this nice little stable of running backs, all of which can catch the ball out of the backfield, which we know that, you know, Andy Reid historically has loved to do with his running backs. And I think there's a really good chance we see a completely different offense. This is going to be the classic, you know, it does the sum of the parts add up to what, Tyreek Hill does right is this are are you going to be more than the sum of your parts you're going to be more than what you see on paper which is that Juju Smith-Schuster is your number one wide receiver because they didn't just lose Tyreek they lost Byron Pringle who is mainly had just been a deep threat but nothing crazy and Demarcus Robinson both of those guys had been with the team for I think Demarcus Robinson has been with the team for since they started this run to begin with and Pringle got there the year after they went to the Super Bowl and and won so you're losing guys who understand what that offense was and I don't think Andy Reid's the type who's going to be like, all right, well, we're just going to run out there and run the same offense we did before. I think they're going to have to change. And on top of it, too, they have to change for Travis Kelsey's sake, right? Like, I love Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is 30. still an unbelievable stud. But, yeah, I mean, he, he's just he's, – he's over 30 years old now. You know, he, he can't take the, the same amount of, of beating and the same overall target share that he had been over the last couple of years and still expect him to produce at the same level – you have to find ways to support them otherwise. So they're going to run behind a really good offensive line, assuming they get the Orlando Brown thing figured out. Yeah. Well, that's huge, which I think they will. One of the best left tackles in football, but you figure they do that. They're going to be able to run the ball. And then if you can run the ball, Mahomes is going to have an opportunity to show this is a big year for Mahomes, but also it's not out. It's every great quarterback ever has had a dip year. Brady had a dip year after he won the Super Bowls, right? Uh, Peyton, you know, Peyton's probably a bad example because he just always put up big numbers. But every great quarterback has had dip years, you know, throughout history. Favre had dip years. Uh, Marino, oh, everyone had a year or two where it's just the stats weren't all there. And this year could be that for Mahomes, or it's a year where we go, like, all right, no, he really is the next Aaron Rodgers, and he's going to elevate whoever around him is to even another level. 
mark it down. He's the at the end of the year when we have this the our uh, summary uh, about the the league year, uh, third best quarterback in the division. Wow, statistically, okay, he's gonna finish third. It's interesting. Um, defensively, I think we hit on a decent point there. Uh, the only thing I'll say, and obviously losing Tyron Matthew is a lot more than just losing the football player who does a lot for you, plays five or six different positions on the football field when you need them. Uh, they did go out and get Justin Reed, who is a solid player, uh, was, was a big-time free agent a couple of years ago, uh, did not necessarily live up to those expectations, but still is a guy who can – safeties are one of those positions where you can pull guys who, like, had really hot starts and then got a big contract, whatever, and they can still end up being really valuable. And I know Sorensen had been there for a while, but let's be real – him not being on the field is a is a net positive, I think, for this defense. Yeah. Um, he, he's just a mismatch, a, a matchup nightmare, and I think overall it makes their it makes their team better. They get Frank Clark back. They restructured his deal, um, and of course, how how can you forget Chad Henney still on the roster? I mean, legendary backup quarterback Chad Henney. What year? What years were he at Michigan for the Big Ten guys? Was that two thousand eight? It's got to be when they were one versus two. Was it 06? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I want to say it was between. Hold on. Get Zach on this. I mean, I I feel like he's been in the league forever. Yeah, he uh, is 37 years old. Chad, and he's 37. How crazy is that? He He went to Michigan from 04 to 07. Yeah. Is he now the elder statesman of backup quarterbacks? He's older than Chase Daniel because Chase Daniel, I think, is is a couple years younger than that. And he might be. I mean, because now that – well, I, I'm even thinking just quarterbacks in Fitzpatrick, general. I mean, what do you mean? Like Fitzpatrick's gone. Yeah. And you don't have McCown. The McCowns are all gone. Is he? I, think, I wonder if he has the longest career with the least amount of snaps at quarterback in the end. Like that is – uh, he's well, he started a season bro. though, like because that no, goes that's to Chase Daniel. Yeah, because like Chase Daniel, who's still in the league and still kicking around, he signed another year to stay as the backup in Detroit. Chase Daniels played even less. Like Chase Daniel went like six years before he ever had to start an NFL game. It's so wild, and to get but, the contract pickups, I love those guys. Yeah, that's a, those so are two he, football guys right there. So he probably got drafted in two thousand seven. Yep. Wow. Uh, who's the number one overall pick in 07? Was that like a was that Jake Long? Oh, it's right around that realm. Let's see. Um it is Jamarcus Russell. Oh, wow. Chad Henney was drafted the same year as Jamarcus Russell. I knew that. It I was Jamarcus, that. Calvin Johnson, Joe Thomas. Come on, Raiders. And Chad <laughs> Henney. I bet you Chad Chad Henney's got to be one of like two guys still active from that class. Um, all right. I'm not gonna ask you guys for record. We'll do that before week one. But where do you have them finishing in the division, the Kansas City Chiefs? And then we'll move on. I have them third. Third? Second. Oh, Scotty, second? Yep. Uh, I think they're going to win the division. That's not right – I mean, it's not out of the realm Safe of possibility. Bet. Right yeah. Right now. I, I'm not – I'm going to etch that in pencil, not pen. But I think Do we have betting odds on that? Yeah. Uh, not right now, but I'm guessing they uh, – my guess is they will be the, uh, the the favorites going in. All right, let's go to the second yeah. most intriguing team in this division. 
the Los Angeles Chargers. And I was wrong, by the way. Chase Daniel is with the Los Angeles Chargers, not the Lions. Just goes to show you how many different teams Chase Daniel has uh, <laughs> played on. Uh, they did a great job in the draft. Uh, they also did a great job in free agency. They signed J.C. Jackson to the huge deal. Um, mm-hmm. Sebastian Joseph Day, another good defensive uh, lineman, Austin Jackson. They obviously made the big trade for Khalil Mack. They went out and signed Kyle Van Noy, uh, Gerald Everett to add a little bit of tight end depth, which I think will help them and Justin Herbert a lot. Uh, in terms of major departures, not a whole lot for them. Um, Linville Joseph, I think, would probably be the biggest one. Uh, Chris Harris, who got burnt a lot, is definitely at the end of his time in the NFL. Jared Cook uh, and uh, Justin Jackson still somehow. I can't believe he's not going to be on the Chargers anymore. I think he's been there for like six years. This team got younger. Won me my fantasy league last year. My second one. (laughs) This team got younger at important depth positions where having young guys is helpful. uh, But they also got older in very key positions. The Khalil Mack trade is big. The J.C. Jackson pick or, or Trey or signing, I should say, was big. But ultimately, this team comes down to two things, right? Number one, and first and foremost, Justin Herbert. We know how good he is. We've seen how good he is. What his ceiling can be is as high, if not higher, than anyone else in the NFL. But the other big one for me is going to be Brandon Staley. Because for a guy that we all were very high on when he got drafted or when he signed to be the head coach uh, and – Overall, you know, people really seem to like he gave a lot of the media really liked him. He gave a lot of great quotes, a lot of thoughtful answers. uh, And he was the architect of the Rams defense, young gun guy. The guy made a lot of really dumb, ballsy decisions that were heavily analytics driven. Right. There is a little bit of Chip Kelly stink to this in my eyes, except I don't think the personalities are quite the same. But just in terms of that football savant young guy does things a little bit differently relies hard on the analytics and you know there's some chip kelly-ness to this and now you see the guys they bring in they don't really have a whole lot of you know excuses right this is year number three with herbert he's proven a lot in three years but the offensive line got a little bit better they invested in it in the first round of the nfl draft the wide receiver group is the same they gave mike williams a contract that I like Mike Williams. I don't know if I would have paid Mike Williams the amount of money. Austin Eckler continually, as much as I love him, I don't see him as an every single down back. He hasn't been able to stay healthy enough throughout his career for me to really believe that, at least over the last couple of years. They need a lot of stuff to go right for them this this year. Um, And at the same time, you look at their roster and you go, how is this team not the favorite to win the division and to potentially get to the Super Bowl? So, where do we stand right now? I know, uh, Scotty, you are – I had to fight both of you guys on Herbert. I love Herbert. I'm not going to say a bad thing about Herbert. Best quarterback so, in the division. That's – okay, we're going to start with Vito, actually. Vito, you go ahead and you can give us <laughs> your thoughts here on the Chargers heading into 2022. No, I mean, I mean, you know I, I love Herbert as well. I, I, I think this team has so much talent for him to support. I love what they did in the draft. They got – not only Zion Johnson, who we all loved going in uh, to help with that line. They also, in the fourth round, picked up Isaiah Spiller, the running back out of AM, who I, I think is a good just addition to the team. They got a guard Great. from Georgia. The Zion Johnson pick was the big one to sure up the interior offensive line. Um, 
And I mean, remember too how good Rashawn Slater was last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the biggest problem with this team. It was running the ball, keeping Herbert upright, and then also stopping the run on defense. And I think that's where, when you look at how, how many people they added on defense, I don't get it. Like this t- defense was already so good. I'm so worried being a fan. This, I think this has two, two feels to it. You, you had the Chip Kelly feel. I'm going to give you another Eagles timeline, the, oh, the dream team, when everyone got together and it was like, how can this team not be dominant? So my question to this team, the only way this doesn't work out is if it doesn't work out in the locker room, right? On paper, the talent they have, they need to figure out a way to put it together, the chemistry, actually be a team. And if Brandon Staley can do that, then he can he can make the dumb decisions with analytics. If he can get the team to play well together, it'll be a bigger impact. So I, I think that's his biggest job on this on this whole season, on, on you know this journey they're about to start with camps kicking off here today. Um, for a lot of spots uh, yesterday for when you're hearing this. And, and I really am excited to see what they do now being in the division. It's tough to root for them, but this is a team that I think, you know, I grew up in Southern California and we would go down to chargers games and um, you know, and now they're up in LA and it's a little different, but I, I do, I do feel for people who are like diehard chargers fans. There's not as many in Southern California, but man, I, I really hope for them that, they can put it together and start to see some success. I mean, they had those Philip Rivers years with LT and everything, but man, I, I think that Herbert's a special guy and I don't want his career to be a man. If he only had a better team around him, right? Like I, I don't want us to say that about him. So I am or even for, for this team. Or even what they did with, with Rivers and LT where they go 14 and two every year and they lose in the divisional round, right? Like <laughs> we don't want that either. Well, I, and this again, like, the, the Chargers are going to be the trendy pick, right? This is, this is, they were a trendy pick last year. And every year there's teams that are trendy picks that everyone jumps on because the roster looks good. This team in year one with Justin Herbert went seven and nine and in year two went nine and eight. All right. Yes. It's trending towards winning more games, but I still don't, I think it's very presumptuous for us to jump in and immediately go like, all right, the Chargers, you can pencil that you can lock them in for at least 10 wins, right? Which even still in a 17 game season, 10 and seven in, in the way the AFC is right now may not even get you into the playoffs or at the very least are very, you know, worse. It could end up being, you know, the seven seed in the playoffs. We just need to see more. And I don't think I'm being like a hater for basically saying, I just want to see more. I just want to, I want to see it. Because for as good as the Chargers have have the potential to be, and they addressed key needs, I don't know if Khalil Mack fixes this. Khalil Mack's not a run stuffer. Khalil Mack is going to get you extra pressure on the edge, and that's going to help. And J.C. Jackson's going to help a huge amount in the secondary. Mm-hmm. But there's still question marks. They lost one of their starting linebackers in Kazir White this year, who objectively was a little bit raw, but at least was an athlete who was finer on the oh, field. He was talented, you know, yeah. And had almost 100 tackles last year. So yeah. I, I think – pumping the brakes and just saying like, let's see, uh, let's see them win 10 games in a season. Let's see them get to that threshold or at least get off to a hot start before we start calling them like a Super Bowl favorite, which I think a lot of people, particularly in the NFL live, everyone's so high on them for good reasons. But the main yeah. reason everyone's high on them is because they're everyone's high on Justin Herbert. Understandably so, but I still see holes in this team and this roster. The offensive line looks better. But I mean, they're going to be counting on a rookie coming in, starting at center or at guard more likely to come mm-hmm. in and be as good as Rashawn Slater was as a rookie. And, and that's a massive ask. That's a huge ask for a rookie who played at Boston College a year ago. 
It is, but I, I think I think a lot of those things that you're saying, those those decisions, they made a lot of safe decisions in the draft and in the offseason. I would say they went out and got players that they knew had some years in them or in the draft went out and addressed key needs to help support, you know, the offense and Herbert. And I think that's why everyone's saying, man, if this team could take one big step, they didn't lose a lot of receivers. They didn't add anyone there, which is a little disappointing because I'm with you. I think that contract was a little while. I mean, we're getting to the point where some of these contracts for receivers is like, what are you doing, man? But this whole team and how they're going to circle up, I'm really interested to see how that defense plays. I think that's where it's going to be won or lost. I think Herbert on um, the turnovers and, and putting the ball up, I, I expect him to have a similar, I think, season to last year. I think it's going to come down to defense and what they can do there. And if he can limit some of those uh, sacks and, and drive killers, right, then then they're going to be successful. But I, I don't know. I have them. So to round it out, if you don't mind me going here, sure. I have them. I have them second, just above Casey for my divisional rankings, and you can imagine he's first. But um, is it biased? Maybe, but I do think that they are a team that I could see having one more win than Casey, or or being tied and having some tiebreaker, something like that, in the same realm. I think they're probably going to finish somewhere around there. I, I think either. Even though I'm a little reluctant to, and this is again a main reason why I'm bank, I, I'm more likely to give the benefit of the doubt to the charge or to the Chiefs rather than the Chargers because there's at least infrastructure there. They're relying at at rookies in multiple positions, not just on the offensive line. Um, if Mike Williams gets hurt again, like he's done every year of his career, or who's Keenan the number- Allen for that matter? Well, so I was gonna say, who is the other wide receiver? Who's the number three wide receiver on that team right now? Jalen Guyton. It's it's Guyton. (laughs) It's Joshua Palmer or DeAndre Carter, right? Like we're we're the it drops off significantly after those two. And Mike Williams, his whole thing is when he's been healthy, he's been great, but he also misses five or six games a year. So then you're taking out one of the major playmakers out of that offense, right? And then the other thing too, and and this is the big thing. I like Brandon Staley. I want it to work for them. I've pick the chargers to be my West coast team. You know, when the Eagles suck, I always root for the chargers. They need the fan base. I like the chargers, but they're going to be in a lot of really close games playing in that division. And when Brandon Staley was making these, these fourth and eight going forward on your own 35 types of decisions, they were in close games when they needed wins. And it ultimately came back to bite them in the ass and they didn't make the playoffs because of it. So I'm, I'm reluctantly going to say that I'm with you. I think they probably finished second in the division because I do think Herbert is that good. And I like the things that they did, but I'm, I'm cautious with that right now. And picking anything in this division is really hard because we have no idea how it's going to look. Yeah. I think the only thing I'm willing to commit with this division is that three teams make the playoffs. <laughs> I think that's, I think that would be a good bet. Very where, do you, safe where, bet. Where, where, where do you have the chargers finishing Scotty? Uh, I have them first. This is, uh, if there's a year to do it, it's this year. Uh, Herbert's rookie contract is going to expire, but the guys on defense, you just got JC Jackson, you have under contract and for another four. Uh, and I believe uh, Khalil Mack is, is another uh, two years on his deal, two or three on his deal. Um, after that, you're going to have to start paying Herbert. You're going to have to start pay, paying Slater. You're going to have to start paying Isaiah Spiller or Austin Eckler, one of the two. Um, and that to me is where the whole thing kind of the wheels kind of fall off of the wagon trying to keep this band together. So if there's a year to do it, I think it's, it's absolutely this year. 
with what we talked about, the potential, uh, the potential slide for the Chiefs this year might just I'm not saying the window's open, but it's for, it's cracked a little bit more than it was even last year um, in the AFC West for the Chargers to to slip through and, and take that uh, number one spot. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this is the team to me in this division that has probably the biggest range of outcomes. I could see them winning 13 games and making a run to the AFC championship game. And I could also see them finishing in last, not making the playoffs. Uh, they go out and make a massive splash in Devonte Adams, who for my money and from our rankings that we've done here over the, the off season is the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Um, and everyone's going to keep bringing up the Derek Carr, Devonte Adams, Fresno state thing. I, I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. You know, they played with each other for a year in college, the lack like eight years ago at Fresno state. Um, the familiarity is helpful, but it's everything around this team that gets me excited. Um, new first year head coach, um, which is obviously, sorry, not first year head coach. Cause it's just been a while. Josh McDaniels taking over. Um, if I were to ask you guys how many quarterbacks are on this roster right now, do you have any idea? Like six, I think, right? Didn't they sign? Say four, I know they signed Mullins. Um, who else did they sign? They have I think Ger- Stidham so, went there. So they have Carr, <laughs> Garrett Gilbert, Nick Mullins, uh, and Jarrett Stidham. They traded for Jarrett Stidham from the Pats, right, which is the Josh McDaniels bringing in a guy they like. Now, realistically, probably two of those four. I mean, obviously Carr is safe. Um, so one of those other three is probably going to make the roster and the other two will probably get cut. Maybe they hold on to three. That seems to be a, a thing by thing uh, or a team by team preference. Uh, but you look at what this roster in terms of weapons is putting out there, right? Devonte Adams is your number one, Hunter Renfro is your number two and uh, Hunter Renfro thousand yard season last year and Darren Waller. That's a yeah. formidable trio, right? Because they all, I mean, Devonte can do everything. Uh, Darren Waller is if we're talking about pure receiving tight ends is probably the best pure receiving tight end in the league. Definitely the most athletic receiving tight end Uh, and Hunter Renfro being able to just be this slot. You can play him outside. He's great in the red zone. He can do just a lot of little things for you too. He can catch the ball. It's a little reminiscent on third downs. Yeah. It's a little reminiscent of the receiving core slash tight end room that the Patriots had when Randy Moss, Wes Welker and Gronk were all there at the same time. And who was the offensive coordinator? Josh McDaniels, right? So there seems to be a little bit of of similarities there. Uh, Derek Carr had a great year last year, but I still think, and and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say this, that I'm not a huge Derek Carr guy. I'm just not. And and I need to see more. I get the stats. His stats are, are a little bit better over his career than Kirk Cousins, right? He doesn't always play great in big games. Uh, He's never won a big game. He's never really played in a meaningful game other than the one year when they had Jack Del Rio filling in as the, as the interim head coach, when they made the run to the, uh, it was, I think they made the playoffs and then got bounced in the first round and Connor cook had to come in and, and start a game for them back in like 2014, 2015. So it's been a while since we've seen um, the Raiders really as, as a top tier team in terms of roster but I love what they did on the defensive side of the ball almost as much. Uh, the Chandler Jones signing or tra- was it? Sign- yeah, I think it was a signing. Yeah, he's a free agent. 
that one flew under the radar pretty hard. Um, and now you got a, a defensive line that you have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones coming at you from either side. Uh, hmm. That's a pretty nice pairing. Max Crosby stud. They extended him this off season. They added uh, Bilal Nichols, who was a top 50 free agent this year. Uh, Rakis Sin, who struggled a little bit in Indianapolis, still has that, you know, I think it was a second round pick kind of pedigree. And they didn't really lose a whole lot. Um, other than I would say KJ Wright is probably the biggest defensive piece that they lost from their team last year. Uh, also, no Alec Ingold. Oh, yeah, Ngakwe. But I would argue yeah, that he's, Ngakwe. He's you know, a dirty Chan- player. So, and, and I think Chandler Jones is a step up from Ngakwe. Uh, um, yeah, agreed. <laughs> even at this point in his career. So, the biggest question for me we know the skills position is good. We know the defense is good. I kind of have two ones one's roster, one's coaching. What does the second go around as a head coach look like for Josh McDaniels? I think that's the first and biggest thing. Um, I think a lot of coaches who've left the Belichick tree, this is not a you know well-kept secret. They try to be Belichick. And it didn't work for Josh McDaniels his first go around when he was with Denver. Though th- those teams weren't awful. They just underperformed, I would say. Um, the second question for me is going to be, what does this offensive line look like? Because two years ago, they went – whole fire sale with their offensive line and they've been able to stay pretty good. Despite that, I'm wondering if this is going to be the year that it might come back and bite them in the ass a little bit. And I hope, I hope it, it doesn't, well, kind of hope it does, but I I don't, I hope that at least they can stay together because I think what to see from this offensive line is if they can be consistent enough, luckily you have Josh Jacobs, right? Luckily you have this whole team where it's, you have balance, you can run a full offense and I'll give, I'll give Josh McDaniels this credit when it was his first runaround with Denver, right? I think he was six and two in his first eight games and he had beaten Belichick in Denver. And there's a thing of punching around the sideline, just getting all the fans amped up. Then he proceeded to go eight and eight. And it was, there was leftover remnants of like the Tebow era. It it was just strange. We had, um, man, I I was almost said Brady Quinn. It's not him. We had, uh, who was the quarterback from Chicago? He was the backup to Grossman. No, we traded, we swapped Kyle Orton, Kyle Orton and Brandon Lloyd was the receiver. And Josh McDaniels had them like third each in their individual statistics. And I was like, how, right. Given we were losing, we're passing a lot. My point is with these weapons, I think this could easily be the number one offense in the NFL. They were close last year. I think they were five. Now the difference is on defense on total team defense. When it comes down to points, well, that was the thing. They got a lot of yards passing last year. The, the Raiders are about middle of the NFL with points. They, I think they averaged like, yeah, 22 points a game. Now on defense, they were pretty bad. Um, I, they were like 27th in team defense for points. And that's what it comes down to. So as, as good as this offense can be and they can light up the world, that's great. But what is that defensive unit going to do? And, and I do love that additional change to Chandler Jones, but – I don't know if there's enough there that's going to stop just in their division. Look at the quarterbacks we've talked about who they're going up against. I don't know what's going to happen and, here. And the um, lines that they're up against in that division too. Yeah. So I think they're going to get tested to your point, Jeff, there's no off weeks, uh, you know, with that offensive line, they're going to get their the lion's share of, uh, of the matchup up front with um, some of these, you know, units that we've already ran through. I'm worried about that defense. I think offensively, the sky's the limit. And I think if the line can play mediocre, um, it would be great. And I'm, I'm worried about the same thing, man. I don't know. 
Well, like, and and here's a, here's a trap that I want I want to say now as we're as we're starting this because this is going to be a common theme. We just like how we talk differently about our teams at the end of the season as we do now. What do we always talk about after a Super Bowl, after a playoff run, after a big win, right? The games are won in the trenches. We fall in love in the offseason with the splashy skill player who changes teams or the quarterback who changes teams. But you win and lose in the trenches, in the offensive line. The best offensive line in this division is still Kansas City, and it's not particularly close. The Chargers could be good, right? But they're betting on young guys. Right now, there's only two returning, like, sure bet offensive linemen for the Raiders. It's the left tackle, Colton Miller, and then Denzel Good, who was their starting left guard last year, who was coming off of an ACL tear, right? They wasted the, I wouldn't say wasted, but they spent the first round pick on Alex Leatherwood, which was a massive reach after the, in the 2020 draft or the 2021 draft. And on top of that, we don't really know. And Alex Leatherwood might end up having to get kicked inside to right guard because he might just not be a big enough frame to play outside. Now, if it's an offense where it's getting the ball out quickly and everything, that could work. But in order to do that, they also still have Josh Jacobs there, who they're going to want to use in the run game from some perspective. So I think it's important to remind ourselves now that we're, we're always, especially before the season starts, we're going to be like kids in a candy store. We're going to be looking up at the shiny new toys and everything that looks amazing in these, these new skill players, especially for fantasy players, that's what we do. But it's important to remember the big uglies in the middle are where you're going to win and lose. And on the defensive side, I think they'll be okay. The offensive side, I think, could be a real problem for them unless they get lucky. But they could be one injury away from being completely fucked on the offensive line, and then we're never really going to see what these skill positions do under Josh McDaniels. Yeah, and and, and to that point, I mean, I'd be cautious, too, of – you talked about the chemistry of, of uh, – Devontae Adams and uh, and Derek Carr, it, I am I, worried that it might almost, you know, like you, you play in a video game and you want, you want to get a guy's stats up uh, through, you know, 10, 12 games. So he's over 1,500 yards. He's got video game numbers, right? That's what we talk about. Yeah. Is, is that the sort of thing that's going to be happening? We're going to be forcing the ball to, uh, to Devontae Adams, A, because your, your offensive line is a problem and you have to get the ball out. Or B because that's just uh, you. You just keep hitting the square button uh, to hit Devontae Adams uh, all the time, right? I, I'm worried about I'm worried about that affecting the the chemistry of the offense uh, as as much as I am the offensive line too. Um, but the other big thing on offense too is is Waller, right? Uh, we saw him get banged up a little last year, uh, and his contract. Uh, is going to be discussed all year long, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after they paid all of these these veterans uh, a ton of money, he's drastically underpaid uh, for the for the production that he's had um, by almost so, ten million. Like if if he was franchise tagged this year, he would be making ten million more this year than his current contract is, and he still has two years left. He's got this year yeah. and one more year on it, mm-hmm. but it's a really big deal. And I think Waller is given his history and the story and the fact that Gruden and, and a lot of these got, you know, the Raiders gave him a chance when no one else would, when he was, you know, dealing with his addiction issues. And, and it's an amazing story. I wouldn't be, you know, he said all the right things to this amount. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't bring it up again, but at the same time, money talks and he was worth on an open market, significantly more money than what he's getting paid. And I think he would probably take a discount to stay with the Raiders 
but it's definitely going to stay and hang over this team. And if Waller lets it, Waller can just shut up and play and it won't be an issue until next offseason. But with injuries, as you said, Scotty, he's a guy who's had injuries, especially that position. Injuries are a problem. You got to be careful of it. Um, where do you guys think the Raiders end up finishing in the AFC West? I got them uh, fourth, last in the division, despite making the playoffs last year. But they still have a shot at the playoffs this year as the four team, or the four seed. Vita? I, I think they're in fourth uh, in the division, and uh, I think it comes down to the line. I think this, this whole division is just up to their game, and I'm excited to see what they do, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. I have them third. I have them ahead of the next team. And we'll get into them, but um, I like the roster. Wow, I like I like the roster, and I like the roster. Hater. Not to say that they are going to win a Super Bowl, but in terms of compared to the next team, we're going to talk about. They have much more veterans. They have much more experienced players. They have better talent around Derek Carr. Even though I do think Russ is a better quarterback than uh, Derek Carr, obviously. So let's talk about your Denver Broncos, Vito, who uh, you have winning the division. That's right. And Make the case. I mean, let's talk about it, man. We have Russell Wilson now, right? We already had a great defense. We were third in defense last year, okay? Justin Simmons coming in the league has been awesome. Um, I'm sorry, Pat Sertan the second. I'm looking at some other things. Obviously, um, when we have Simmons at safety, he's been crushing it. There's a lot of different pieces here on the defensive side to be excited about, but I want to talk about offense with Russell Wilson. I mean, you're talking about a line who has gotten a little better, I'm really excited to see what happens with Javante Williams at the backfield and Melvin Gordon. That combo is strong. When we have Sutton, Judy, and Tim Patrick, and KJ Hamler all healthy, which hasn't happened, they haven't all played together. Like that is going to be an exciting, exciting group um, at the tight end position. You know, it's really it's about the young uh, dude at UCLA. Um, I still get his name, Kyle uh, Ushrick. Oh, Ulrich. Right? Ulrich. Ulrich. Yeah. Thank you. I owe it. Yeah. Uh, so we got him out of UCLA in the draft, which I think is a perfect move um, after we involved a no fan in the but trade Greg, for, Greg for Russell Dulcich. Wilson. Sorry, Greg Dolson. Greg, thank you. Um, and uh, and I'm really excited to see what happens there. I think on the offensive side, there's so much to be excited about. Now it comes down to the line, like we always say, and, and I really do believe that um, when you looked at the team last year, I think the quarterback position – hurt how the offensive line played and Russell Wilson without a doubt, I think will help how the offensive line plays um, both in ability to get the ball out quick to make decisions quick, like having a veteran back there that's played that many games um, who has such a good deep ball accuracy with these wide receivers. I'm just so ecstatic to see what he does with KJ Hamler, who everyone's already forgotten about in the NFL and his deep ball ability is going to be incredible. Um, I, I think this offense is going to light it up. And I think the defense naturally won't be third in points anymore because they're going to have more possessions to deal with. But I think the combination of how great this defense is and with the offensive improvement that a Russell Wilson brings you, in my opinion, I mean, easy over 10 wins. I think I'm, I'm more to 12 or 13. And I think uh, I know that's not the question, but the question is, yeah, they're in first. And I think it's an easy, an easy decision to make when you look at offensively, the improvements and defensively, the consistency that we've had. That is the optimistic fan perspective. 
a month away from the season starting. And <laughs> that's I, exactly what it is. And we're I winning was, the whole. You know what? We got a shot at the Super Bowl, Jeff. Let me tell you what. Right now, I mean, we got a shot. So that's how every fan probably feels, right? I for sure, for sure. And look, I respect it. Um, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't do a. a, a I don't want to say more nuanced because you made good points um, and valid ones. But look, there's a lot here. There's a, there's a lot of work and a lot of inexperience here on this team. Um, the Russ thing, I'm, I'm more down on Russell Wilson than I am up. To me, the, the arrow is pointing more down based off of what we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, whenever we've seen Russell Wilson ask for more control over the offense, right? Not running the, the classic Pete Carroll, Marshawn Lynch style. It's worked for a little bit. Um, would you say right now that the weapons in Denver are better or worse than Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf in terms of receiving better. court? You think Jerry, Judy, Tim <laughs> Patrick, and Cortland Sutton are better than DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? You, you wouldn't know because they're never healthy and playing together. Well, and also they didn't have Russell Wilson throwing to him. I'm saying that with Russell Wilson throwing to these, this whole crew, the whole depth, not the top two. I think top two, they're better. But I think the depth that we have and in the backfield, I think that this is a better skill group around Russell Wilson in whole. I, I think, believe that. I think it could be, but it's an impossible argument to make based of, off of what we've seen. I like KJ Hamler. I liked him coming out of the draft. We haven't seen him play since 2020. All right. And, and when he did, I, albeit, yeah, it was with Drew Locke. It wasn't with Russell Wilson. Right. And, and there's a very good chance that it becomes this great connection. Could be awesome. We haven't seen it. I love Cortland Sutton. I named my fantasy football team after him last year. I was really high on him. I liked Jerry Judy coming out. I like Tim Patrick. But all four of those guys, I can put question marks next to. And, and have I, I don't see how Tim Patrick has the most consistent hands in the NFL. That's just a fact. He has the least amount of drops in the last two years, right? He's crushed it on the sideline catches. Cortland compared, Sutton compared, has been to amazing. Tar- compared to target share, like, yes, he might have had the less, least amount of drops, but he also has significantly less, you know, targets compared to guys like your top tier wide receivers. Again, I like Tim Patrick. I like Cortland Sutton. I like Jerry Judy. But for a guy like Jerry Judy, who his whole thing coming out of Alabama was his footwork, his route running, everything was so good. He got open constantly. He hasn't been able to get open and or stay healthy in the NFL. Same thing with Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. KJ Hamler, I'm not going to hold the ACL tear against him, but it's been a long time since we've seen him play football. So I think to come in and say they're going to be better, you, you, they might be better. I'm not saying that's not possible. They very well might. But there's nothing that we've seen out of that core. I mean, out of that core so far, Cortland Sutton has been the best wide receiver out of that group. And oh, Cortland, I mean, he was named to the under top 25, under 25 NFL team as a starting receiver. I mean, I, he is elite. I, and I think to, to the point could, that you're making, he though, could be elite. He's an elite talent. Can we say that? Because I think here's what I'm saying. What what other receivers in in this division would you hold above Denver's? Um. I would put Vegas's ahead of Denver's and I would also probably put the Chargers ahead of Denver's. See, I think that's, I, I think the Chargers that you can't, I don't think that's Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is, is twice as good as anybody on the Broncos wide receiving group. But you're, you're comparing with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater to with Herbert. And I think that's where 
but the Russell but, Wilson factor is going to make this whole thing. And to your point, we can't really compare, but I'm excited to see that. I think well, it's going to be better than impossible. settling. This, this is why it's impossible for me to necessarily win the argument. Or it's all I could say the other way. It's impossible for you to prove your argument at the same time. Totally. Because you're for, your prediction is that Russell Wilson will lift them all up. I'm saying is we don't know how good these guys can be. They could be just as productive as what they were like with Drew Locke. I would expect them to be better. But what I'm saying is we just don't know. We don't know if these guys are as good. I mean, I I think Cortland Sutton is in that top 15, maybe not top 15, but probably in that top 20 group of wide receivers. Cortland Sutton is like Alshon Jeffrey to me. You know, a really, really solid, good wide receiver will probably make a Pro Bowl at some point or could make a Pro Bowl at some point. Jerry Judy's the one that you really need to bank on becoming a stud. And the, the problem with Jerry Judy, aside from the injuries, which he hasn't even had that bad of injury. Yeah, like, he's played he, well. He, he hasn't gotten open. Like, you can, See, we can blame, we can, but we can blame Drew Locke all we want. But the separation numbers, the advanced analytics numbers on separation and, and beating guys out, like Jerry Judy has absolutely underperformed his expectations for a guy was who was all about getting separation in college because he was such a good route runner. Whereas you look like counterparts to his era, like Devontae Smith or CeeDee Lamb, who excel in those, you know, and, and I'm blanking on the PFF numbers in terms of separation, Jerry Judy does not. Or at least I would love to see that because yeah. I, I, when I've watched those games, I'll tell you what, there are so many times where he's doubled, there is a linebacker on the inside of him as he's in the scene because he, he, they somehow kept him in the slot a lot, even after Cortland Sutton was out, which I disagree with, right? That's a coaching miss. But I, I 100% have seen that guy come out and get just some dirty route running separation, like just shaking defenders off and then had like a sack. You know what I mean? And I'm, I, I would love to take a look at all that because I, I think what it comes down to at the end of the day, we were seven wins last year, seven and 10. I think Russell Wilson – the comparison from Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke to Russell Wilson and what that'll give us, I think that at least gets us up to 10 wins. Is that I fair think to say? I, I, would, I would say Russell Wilson's worth three wins. Yeah, right? Like, I, I don't think and, and we've lost a lot and of potentially wins more. outside of that. Potentially yeah, more. I, I like, would agree. My biggest thing here is just, like, it, it feels very unpredictable. Like, I, I just don't – I don't know. Because the quarterback play wasn't great. The one thing we do know is they are going to have good running backs – but I don't love the offensive line. The offensive line was, was pretty good last year, and I liked your point as well there to lead it off, saying that I do think the quarterback play hurt the production of the offensive line. But I, this group of wide receivers has a really high ceiling and I also think has the same floor as what they've been. You also have to consider the fact that Russell Wilson, who's been one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, not only goes to the Broncos, but they get a new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett, who has been calling plays for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams for the last decade. So uh, with him running the offense, it's going to look different. So not only do you not know what you're getting out of the, out of the talent, but you don't know what you're getting out of, out of the offense just yet either. So I, I'm with you, Jeff, I'm, I'm on hold with them, but I do agree with you too, Vito, that they do have the talent to be one of the elite cores uh, in, in the national football league, let alone in the division. It's and basically I, a mixery box and, and I'm planning on pulling out a Ferrari and you got, Jeff is planning on pulling out a Camry and, Scotty somewhere in the middle of the Lexus or something like that. That's what it seems like. We're talking. I'm practical. Camry? Camry's going <laughs> to no, get to their safe. I have a Camry, man. Love them. Yeah. I, I also but I want too, the goddamn Ferrari. Come yeah. on, Denver. Let's the, the, as you should. The, none of this is to, to not get you excited. It's just to show the other side of the coin. The Nathaniel totally. Hacker point's really good there too, Scotty, because 
remember what we've seen out of the Green Bay offense over the last couple of years since he's been running it? It's been a lot of ground game. It's been a lot of running and then letting Aaron Rodgers dictate a lot of stuff at the line of scrimmage. For what we've seen, even in the let Russ cook era, Russ wasn't doing all of the Aaron. He was doing some of it. It wasn't doing the same amount of you know making decisions, no. calling audibles at the line of scrimmage as we saw Aaron Rodgers do. So is Russ, is that going to be part of this new let Russ cook 2.0 in Denver, where it's going to be, he's going to be more in control of what's going on at the line of scrimmage, utilizing, you know, I I've said very openly how much I love the running backs in Denver, right? Um, so, so I'm, I'm all in on the running game. And I think bringing Melvin Gordon back was a great decision. Uh, Cause I still think he's got at least one more year left. Javante Williams. I've been high on since he was at UNC the defense. I mean, I like the Nick Benito pick out of Oklahoma, um, but Randy Gregory, even like they gave Randy Gregory a lot of money and Reg- Re- Randy Gregory has had one really good year at least one really good consistent year. He's always been a guy who's had all the physical tools in the world, but hasn't always gotten it done. He needs to be good. He needs to be consistently good for them uh, on both sides of the ball. If they're going to compete for this. And I just, I, I, there's too many questions with this team, as much as there are questions for some of these other teams, there's too many with this team. And that's a main reason why I had them finishing last in the division, but I think they'll probably go eight and nine or nine and eight. Like, I think it's, I think it's going to be that good. I really do. I want to jump back to the to the running backs for a minute, and I'll ask both of you, but Vito, go first. What do you think the actual split is going to look like between Javante and, and Melvin Gordon this year? Because Javante should increase his snaps uh, and, and have, have a better share uh, than Melvin Gordon, but you can't discount the fact that Melvin Gordon is a great running back still at the age of 30. Man, I, that's a great question, Scott. I don't envy the person who has to make that decision because I bet you in practice, they're, that's a 1A, 1B situation, right? Like th- those are two great running backs. I would imagine we're going to see um, Melvin Gordon. I would say depending on how the game goes, you're going to want Melvin Gordon a little bit more. He has more experience in pass blocking and understanding different situations. I mean – these guys are playing professionally. They both understand the playbook. Don't get me wrong, but the nuances of, of all of that, Melvin Gordon's been through his whole career. Javante Williams had half of a year, right, of playing time. So I think it depends on how a game goes, but I would say that running the ball specifically, I would say that um, he, he'd he probably get 60% and Gordon would get 40. That's my kind of breakdown guess. What do you think, Jeff? That's interesting. I was actually going to say the same numbers, but slightly different. Um, not necessarily justification, but I, I look at, again, the, the running breakdown in, in Green Bay, right? It was, especially this past year, Aaron Jones was probably in that 65% of the snaps. Last year, they were like dead 50-50. Like, didn't they both end up with like 899 yards on the tee? Like, they both had the exact same amount of rushing yards. Um, Melvin Gordon will be better with less carries. He will be more effective with less carries. Uh, you have to take that into account. Javante Williams, second year back. This is really when you want to start to lean heavily on one guy more so than the other. And I think a a fairly decent comp for Javante Williams is Aaron Jones. And if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, I'm going to try to use Javante Williams probably in that 60 to 70% of the time. He's better out of the backfield catching the ball as you just, you know, meme or mimed out there, Scotty. So um, I like it. I'm, I'm not, look, I'm high on all four of these teams, but I also have questions on all four of these teams, which is why it's the most exciting division in football. And it's why we let off with it. So um, that's all we have for this division. We're going to take a quick break. 
We'll talk about the NFC West, Scotty's Niners, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks uh, on the other side. Continuing with our first divisional preview, AFC West is done, so we will now talk about the NFC West, and we will start with your defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Scotty's favorite city in America. Where's the mute button? I should should know how to do that by now. (laughs) Two and a half years using Zoom. I should just, yeah, see, look, I can just, oh, that's so great. Oh, I can just mute Scotty anytime I want. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, all right. So let's talk about the Rams, shall we? Um, they win the Super Bowl last year. They do the thing that we said they, you know, it's hard to do, which you go bring in the quarterback and then you go off and you know, all these things. And they did it. They absolutely did it. They were lucky and, you know, they got to play a young Bengals team in the Super Bowl. Weirdly enough, you look at the roster I think the Rams got better and it's so crazy to say, but the Rams got better. Now that's not going to say that they're definitely going to repeat because we know how much goes into actually winning a Super Bowl. but Allen Robinson. And I know my Penn state guys have thoughts on Allen Robinson. I love Allen Robinson. I've loved Allen Robinson for a, a, you know, since he's been in the league and he's been trapped there in Chicago, Uh, they lose Andrew Whitworth to retirement. They just go out and sign a top 30 offensive or, or top 30 free agent in Joe Noteboom, who's going to come in. Uh, they go out and sign Bobby Wagner, which is, again, just fantastic. They make the trade for Von Miller. No worries. We're good. We got Bobby Wagner. You know, we still have depth at the defensive line. We still have, by the way, uh, checks watch. Oh, yeah. Aaron Donald is still ho- holding down that defense despite kind of somewhat threatening to maybe retire. The uh, the overall team here looks like it should be just as good. The offense weirdly should be better. Um, where's the place to start here? Is it is it because I was kind of going back and forth. Like I, there's a nitty gritty thing with Robert Woods versus Allen Robinson. You lose a guy like Robert Woods who's so important to your team and 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 the chemistry and everything else there. And now instead, all right, Allen Robinson should be a lot better, but who knows what that's going to look like. Um, but to me, I, I, to, the most important thing when you're talking about the defending champion is how do you go about defending your title? Because in the NFL, it's arguably harder than any other league to go out and defend a championship. It's hard in every league, but it's always harder being the hunted than it is being the hunter. For sure. I, I'm worried about some of these guys they're bringing in that are vets, right? They're, they're towards the end of their career. They're expecting – a lot out of everyone here. And to your point, they're going to get everyone's best. So it's a whole nother level um, of, of gearing up on Sundays. Now, I love the comparison you made with Robert Woods and Alan Robinson. I actually would even say like OBJ and Alan Robinson. That's kind mm-hmm. of like towards at the end of the season, really the switch in and out. And I'm ecstatic for what the Rams are going to get there. I'm ecstatic for Alan Robinson to finally have like a consistent quarterback and a team that like, is good. I think that's going to be amazing. I, I'm really excited to see what he does. And he doesn't have to be the number one with Cooper cup. Like th- he is in a good position now um, out there in LA. And man, I, I don't know that defense getting Bobby Wagner. I, I still think the world of him. I think Eileen personally and Jeff, you, you and Scotty can, can tell me if I'm right or wrong here. I kind of usually lean more on. I think the vets are going to keep playing as great as they always have for a little longer than they usually do. Right. Mm -hmm. I believe in vets a little too much. So 
am I crazy to say that Bobby Wagner signing on this team basically shores up all any defensive issues they had just from a leadership perspective or I think, I think the, I think the leadership thing is massive, right? The the Von Miller thing and what he brought to that team during that run last year, I don't think can be understated. Not only was he productive, especially at a time when it was kind of like, eh, how much more does Von Miller have left in the tank, which I still have that concern, which is why I was not as high on the signing for Buffalo as many other people were not because I don't love Von Miller, but just because, you're asking Von Miller to, to do a lot and you're paying him a lot of money. Like if it was Von Miller for three years and 30 million, I'd be more in it than the, you know, six years and 70 million, whatever they ended up paying. Him. Mm-hmm. Um, the leadership from Bobby Wagner is huge. He's not the Bobby Wagner from three or four years ago that basically ran that whole defense. And they also played different positions. So Bobby yeah. Wagner coming in, being the quarterback of that defense is different and, you know, and being able to put guys in spots is massive because the Aaron Donalds and the Leonard Floyds and all those guys are going to listen to Bobby Wagner. They're going to respect Bobby Wagner when he walks in there and they're going to trust him to make the right reads, make the right decisions pre-snap that a lot of other players of their stature, they may not listen to a, a, a Kazir white or someone else they could have gotten in free agency who could come in and do that. But I think the leadership part, you're basically getting the same amount of production from a leadership standpoint, you know, on the defense as you had before, but you can't expect him to be the Bobby Wagner that was, you know, borderline defensive player of the year for there for a few years <laughs> as a middle linebacker. He doesn't need to doesn't be happen. too with yeah, that well, defensive line and what they've got behind him. He doesn't need to be that hundred percent. And you still have Jalen Ramsey, you know, like it's so easy to talk about Aaron Donald, but they run that defense where they have that star position, similar to what Tyron Matthew did in Kansas city. And you have Jalen Ramsey, who's going to match up against the other team's best receiver. Uh, you know, we talked about and we, we talked about at the beginning, but one of the other reasons why, like, I wasn't as high on Denver, I wasn't as high on Oakland is because they also have to play the NFC West. They're going to have to play the Rams like, in addition to playing their own division. Right. And those are going to be tough fought games. I really think that having um, having the the experience that they have is going to be detrimental. Sorry, it's going to be incredibly important for them moving forward throughout this this whole run and even if it's Bobby Wagner or Jalen Ramsey or whoever they have they have so many different guys who have experience who are now Super Bowl champions I don't think anything is going to phase this team and having that extra depth when you're playing really good wide receivers having Jalen Ramsey being able to play that star position and match up against Devontae Adams or Travis Kelsey when they play other you know divisions or DeAndre Hopkins whenever DeAndre Hopkins comes back from his suspension it's really important. And Bobby Wagner is going to let, you know, hey, Jalen, you go do your thing. You, you go make plays. I'll hold down the core of the defense and the defensive line and the linebacking core. And then they'll just let those guys go and make plays. So I, it's a different thing than Von Miller, but I do think it's, it's important there. Um, what's, the, what's the biggest hurdle from preventing this team from repeating? Uh, I think it's, it's twofold. One can – can the likes of adding Allen Robinson who had is just an unbelievable catcher of the football, especially on contested catches. This offense is going to be more pass heavy anyway, but football on offense is obviously two dimensional, right? You need a good running game and their depth this year with just cam Akers and, uh, and uh, Daryl Henderson jr. Granted two very good running backs, but we saw what happened in their running game when they got injured last year, right? They had to resort to, uh, going out and signing a, a Sony Michelle to, to get them 
through the end of the of the year in the playoffs uh, before Cam Akers came back. And uh, the depth there is going to be a problem. I mean, Matt Stafford can go sling it with the best of them. We saw that on on that entire run last year. Um, but the the depth at, at running back is is, and I feel like this is the second year in a row now we've said this is is could be an issue. Could be, but yeah. assuming that Cam Akers is healthy, that's an upgrade from where they were before. Mm-hmm. But the depth I, I is personally a think what I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm more worried about the defense, specifically the pass defense. Um, I know they got Ramsey, but some of the safety play, the linebacker playing coverage, like you said, Bobby Wagner's great, but is he going to match up on a tight end and take him down the seam? You know? Yeah. Like, what, what's going to happen there? I mean, Jalen Ramsey is Jalen Ramsey, um, maybe one of the best cover guys in the NFL, but he even, to that point of getting older, you know, he's, he's not super old, but he's definitely had some mistakes that were covered up by other things, like – I think everyone at this point has seen Jamar Chase burning him and wide open at the end of the, of the Super Bowl there. So, uh, you know, he's going to have some criticism for sure coming into the season, making sure he's ready, but he's still Jalen Ramsey. Like, I, I think it's so weird to be like, I'm concerned about the secondary of this team when they have arguably the best cover corner in the NFL in that position. Like, this team is so good. I really – I think the thing that's going to happen is injuries or – um uh, probably pass rush, you know, Von Miller did provide a hefty amount of sacks actually at the end of that season, when you look at it and absolutely and pressure. And I'm wondering, you know, is that, are they going to be able to have that same level without him? Um, that was Especially really important in their playoff. Like the, the success he had when Donald got doubled was, yeah. I, I mean, that, that was what switched in the Super Bowl. It's what switched in the NFC championship game. Donald gets doubled. Here's Von Miller to save the day. Uh, it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, if they, if they don't have any, anyone to fill that gap, they should going to ask Bobby Wagner to do that. And I don't think he would. Um, but no, but, but. I mean, they have Leonard Floyd still, who's a really good yep. pass rusher from the outside linebacker. And one other name that I think is worth bringing up, who was very crucial to their run through the postseason. Now, whether or not he can do that the whole season was the guy who played nose tackle for him, Greg Gaines, the big, old, the big white dude there who's eaten up two yeah. guys at a time. If he's eating up two guys and then you have Aaron Donald eating up two guys, Aaron Donald can beat double teams. We've seen that. But even more than that, then all right, then Leonard Floyd's getting one-on-ones or Sean Robinson's getting one-on-ones. To me, the biggest hurdle for this team is simply going to be being the guy, being the team that is trying to repeat. You know, every single game they play, they will get the other team's best punch. And I don't think the division as a whole is as, talented as it was last year it may be as talented but i don't think we'll see as many wins as we saw out of them last year um but i still think they have a tough schedule they have to play the afc west that's four really tough games they got to play and they got to play against four good quarterbacks and four good teams i would expect them to probably win a game or two less than last year but i still have them as the favorite to win the division um i don't see them repeating as champions only because it is so freaking hard to do that and the the injury thing is so you know hard to try to figure out but what's weird is like they lose andrew whitworth who was a huge part of that team but as a leader as much as he was productive like he was a 41 year old playing starting left tackle in the super bowl and i love andrew whitworth and i think most people love andrew whitworth he just joined twitter today shout out to him but i just saw that pop up a little bit earlier 
But the guy that got to replace him in Nopum is a better player than he was last year. He just doesn't carry the same, you know, gravitas that a guy like Whitworth does. Uh, do they repeat in winning the division? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm proud of you, Scott. Look at you being objective. It's okay. You, I, you can I, say no. You said yes first. You can say no. No, no they no, they will. They will. I, I think I, they will too. Yeah. I think they will too. All right, Scott, because you were so good at being objective just then, I will I will not mute you for three minutes like I was going oh, to. Oh, thank you. And we will talk about your San Francisco 49ers. Who- Tony Reale over here. I mean, get a lot of this guy. <laughs> Oh man, if only. I hope I look as good as Tony Reale when I'm like in my forties. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about your Niners. They are a fascinating team because talk about unpredictable. Uh, they seem to be able to win games regardless, but to them, their season can go. I see three different ways. If you if they stick with Jimmy G, which they won't, I, I find it very hard to believe someone's going to get hurt in training camp. It's the unfortunate truth that happens every year. You know, we saw it with Sam Bradford the year that Carson Wentz was a rookie. Teddy Bridgewater injury. He gets traded to Minnesota and Carson Wentz gets thrust into being the starter in week one. That seems to be exactly where Jimmy G is right now going into year two with Trey Lance. However, you can't rule it out. He's on the roster now. So first scenario, unlikely. Jimmy G stays as the starter. Something happens to Trey Lance, whatever. And they stay on the same trajectory that they are before, right? 10 to 12 win team, make the playoffs, play really good defense, run the ball really effectively. Kyle Shanahan does something dumb and they end up losing in in some point in the NFC playoffs. Option two is Trey Lance comes in. They trade Jimmy G and Trey Lance isn't ready or is just terrible. And they win four or five games and they're sitting on themselves being like, what did we do? We gave up all this asset, all these assets for Trey Lance they probably win more games than that because I trust Shanahan enough to get them at least to six wins, even with a bad quarterback, or they just do what the Eagles did last year and just say, Trey Lance, we're just running the ball with you and we're doing the Oklahoma offense. And we're going to use you as a runner, but I still doesn't put them in, in any sort of playoff contention. The third option is that they're really fucking good and that everything works out the way that we think it could with Trey Lance. So of those three options I'm laying out for you, Scotty, uh, which, three. Number three. <laughs> okay. That's what you want to happen. Which, which do you think is the most realistic to happen? Um, I think the second one, honestly. Um, and it's when we do our fantasy show, it's one of the reasons I'm really high on him. Cause, cause that's if he, if, and when he does get out there, uh, we've seen him as a passer, uh, not ready, but by all reports in training camp, he's, he's lighting it up uh, in, in both phases of, uh, of that uh, with the arm and, and with the legs. So, um, uh, I think it, it's, it's a weird thing, a weird line to walk for Shanahan and John Lynch is like, well, we spent all this on him. And then we have the, the cap hit with Jimmy G, but like, we need Trey Lance to justify the fact that we spent all that assets to get him. Um, but if he's not ready, he's not ready. Uh, I, I think, I think at some point you have to, to throw him into the baptism by fire, uh, basically, um, and if that means this year that, you know, we lose uh, two or three, four more games than, than we should because uh, he's out there, whether it, it's, you know, due, due to trust issues that w- with him, 
uh, that he's he's only running the ball or, or that's just the way that Kyle wants to run the offense. Um, I, I think that that second option is uh, is the most realistic. Um, I don't think they're going to let him go out there and, and sling it all over the place. Uh, it, it, and if he, when he does throw, it'll be, you know, slant routes to Debo, uh, short over the middles to, to Kittle. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think him going out and, and running the ball, proving that he can be an effective runner uh, in that phase and then letting him grow as a, as a passer in the NFL will be, uh, will be helpful. So does that mean that you are lower on the projected win total for them than obviously like you want them to come out and you want them to be good. You want to see a, a season similar to Philly, right? Where it's maybe they make that adjustment sooner than Philly does. Shanahan is obviously more experienced than Sirianni and- was in a first year head coach, but where they make that transition, maybe week four, week five, where like, you know what? He's just not seeing it. Let's change the offense earlier on. And then maybe you do get to 10 or 12 wins. We talked about this last year, though, and as as we stand, the the Niners are holding Pat on on trading him. They don't want to let him go unless they know that they're going to be able uh, to put Trey in and and count on him week in and week out. Because um, Jimmy wins games for them. He's done that over the over the last few years, and I think Kyle is really reluctant to take him out, uh, knowing that he can get two or three more wins guaranteed wins out of him than uh than he came with a, a first time nfl quarterback in trey lance well and that's kind of where this is so fascinating to me because you look at where the niners are and, and this is a team that was in the nfc championship game last year this is a team that went to lambo yeah. and and won a game in lambo in a blizzard last with year defense. right well, with defense and and a good running and special attack, teams. right yeah. yeah and and the special teams plays obviously was huge for them but they still did that i'm not going to take that away from them you know they got lucky in some sure. degree and but at the same time like they've gotten the most out of their defensive units they've added some good defensive players this year um i, I don't know it, it feels like with shanahan and especially with debo and kittle like you have two of the most uniquely talented skill guys in Kittle and Debo that there is in the league. And, and we saw towards the back end of last year that um, uh, why am I blank? The other wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk also Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. made, made a big jump as well. Right. So it feels like this is a team that roster wise should be competing to try to make a run at the Super Bowl, but on offense, maybe, <laughs> but even still their defense is what got them to the NFC championship game. So it's not like they're that far off defensively either. So I guess the, uh, it's just a weird spot to be at a team where it's like, all right, we have a guy that we think could be our future, but we might have to sacrifice a year of our, what we perceive to be our window in order to account for that. And that's why him not playing at all last year, I think really hurt them in terms of their long-term, you know, trajectory. Yeah. I, I you know, like I said, he only got one real shot to to get in there and sling it a little bit. It was a game that that Jimmy was hurt, and he was uh, I think it was in Arizona uh, yeah. was Trey Lance's start, and it was not pretty. Um, it was exactly as you would think a uh, a rookie's first start would go. Um, but all in all, like he did great when we were, he wasn't forcing to pass. So to your point, I, I think. And, and this is this is again one of the reasons why I said this. It might be easier to ease him into the offense. I know I said uh, baptism by fire, but maybe we uh, we just go into the shallow end for a little bit here uh, instead of jumping off the diving board into the deep end. Man, yeah. I, I gotta say, I I hope to God, and I know this probably won't happen. I would love to see both of them play. 
this year. Let's get a true two quarterback system. Let's let Trey Lance get up on the goal line. Let's let line, him do all that stuff. Line Let's Trey see. out in the in the slot. Well, Jimmy's Man, throwing he the can ball. play. He can play running back half the plays. I don't care. Like there we I, go. it would be so fun, man. To see. Yeah, we've already got to, seven running backs. So. <laughs> you have yeah, you have wide receivers. You're, you're you got say your best running back is your best wide receiver, too. Yeah, line up Kittle back there. Who cares? There's so much talent on this team that I think it'd be really fun. I, I um to see both of them play. I really do think that if I were Cal Shanahan or uh, John Lynch, I'm saying, you know what, we're sticking with Jimmy G right now, and we're going to try and win as much as we can, but we need to get Trey Lance more involved. But I, I personally think that to that question that you guys had poised and went back and forth about, if you know one guy can get you more wins, next year's not guaranteed. I, I feel like you, you got to just do what you can to win the most this year, and I think that's what's hard is because from a coaching standpoint, you want to do that. And Jeff, from your standpoint, you brought up from a development of a player who you gave up so much to get, you can't just keep them in the closet for another couple of years and then pull them out and say, Hey, we're ready for you to come start and be this awesome player. It's like, no, you got to go through some shit to get there. So I don't know what they're going to do. I do not envy being in this position because I do believe that they could easily keep trying with Jimmy G and just push this offense and be right behind the Rams in this division. Now, the Niners gave Jimmy G permission to go seek a trade last week uh, now that he was cleared physically because he went out and kind of pulled a Scottie Pippen and got surgery in the offseason without not without the team's uh, knowledge, but probably without their blessing is probably a better way of putting it. Um, Part of this, too, and I think if there's any head coach, you know, tandem with the GM that that is safe. Right. Um, I'd put. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan pretty high up that list, but yeah. this is the guy that you, you spent the assets on. This is the guy that you decided, Hey, this is who we're going after. And it, it once you do that, if you don't see him play, it, it becomes a problem. Right. And ultimately what all of these front office guys are doing is they're looking for ways to prolong their career. Same with head coaches, right? If this is your, it's the same reason why, like I'm nervous and we'll talk about them in a couple of weeks, but the Justin Fields situation, Right. Like this front office and head coach, they're not the ones that pick Justin Fields. And if Justin Fields isn't good, that gives them an extra year to say, hey, you know what? We came in, we tried to fix it. It wasn't our guy. It didn't work out. And then they can go draft the quarterback that they want to go and that they want to work with. And that's their guy. And that prolongs their tenure there. The other thing, and, and this is a positive, is it seems like from the reports out of San Francisco, is that all offseason, all of the wide receivers, all the skill guys have been working with Trey Lance. Trey Lance has taken on a major leadership role, getting the guys together for workouts, taking over, making every, making it known that, hey, this is my team. I'm the one taking it over this year. And I think he needs that because if you did do a two-quarterback system, in what, and, and what football scenario has a two-quarterback system ever worked? It's, Florida. Uh, Madden there's, 15. There's one example. Just one, and it was in college, and there yes. were murderers on that and, team. <laughs> and, how, and how many, you know, thousands of teams between college and the NFL have there been over the years, right? That's what I mean, man, it was that's a no. It's it's a wild. I mean, scenario, Brady right? Brady did it with Hanson too, and or yep. Henson Drew Hanson when he was at Michigan, and that was a good Michigan team. But again, they didn't win anything, right? Like, it's incredibly hard to do that. It's easier to do it with college kids when college head coaches have the final say and everything. You're not dealing with egos. But do you want to – I mean, thinking about it just from a confidence standpoint, if you're Trey Lance, number three overall pick, and you're in year number two, 
and you aren't the full-time starter at that point, that's going to get in your head and you have to think about that shit too. So, well, and think about this too, from a contractual standpoint, he hasn't played much at all for you and you're going to have to pay him uh, a lot of money in the next, uh, next year after his contract is up, his rookie, the rookie, deal. The rookie QB and window. here we sit where we're in the summertime, where we're having a, a player uh, request to be traded because he wants a better contract in Debo Samuel and another star player in Nick Bosa, who's going to have to get paid. Uh, in the next year or two as well. Um, so that's that's something to consider as well. Yeah. I mean, and that's why it feels like with this roster, like the time is now, but Jimmy G's not good enough to get you there most likely. And you're going to be relying on essentially a rookie to get you over the top. And it's fascinating in which I could also see. And look, if there's a quarter, if there's a coach that I would trust to come up with something funky and weird that will still be productive, Kyle Shanahan, I think we'll find a way. And I think Trey Lance is your day one starter. Um, the Debo stuff we've talked to when we talked about in the off season, I think he's going to play. I don't think he's going to hold out. Um, it was a little Le'Veon ish, but I think the Le'Veon thing where he's like, I want to be paid like, you know, a starting running back and a number two wide receiver. Cause that's yeah, how, how that work used, out. Right. <laughs> if the Niners just for the first time in three years get, you know, don't have horrendous running back injury luck. Plus, you're going to have Trey Lance there, who's probably going to run the ball 50 to 60 times this year. I think they'll be okay. I think Debo's probably – it's probably going to hurt Debo a little bit in his overall value. I think he was trying to strike while the iron was hot, and I think he knew that, which is why he asked for the extension. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I still think Debo's going to be a stud. They still have two good wide receivers there, and they still have Kittle, assuming Kittle stays healthy. So where do we see this Niners team? I opened it up with – thinking of all these different ways, where do they finish in the division? You go ahead, first, Scotty. You go ahead, resident Scotty. Niners fan, two. Number two. Man, Number two, I, I think Kyle has enough in the bag, even without Mike McDaniel running the offense. I think Kyle has enough in the bag to uh, to make it work. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I think if it's Trey Lance, which is what I'm going off of, I'm saying Trey Lance is starting the season, but from this ranking, I'm going to say third. And I think uh, I I do think it's close. I just it's hard with a with a, a new starter. I mean, I know he's not a rookie, but for all you know, on the field kind of is. Um, and it does help playing with NFL and practicing with NFL players and being the guy who has to go up against that starting unit for all of last season. But I, I personally believe that he uh, he can come in and contribute in such a talented team. Man, it's hard to say three. I might. Even, I'm going to stay with three, but very easily could be two even. Yeah. I, I think them and the next team we talk about are going to have borderline identical records. And yep. I think they're both probably going to be around 500. Um, because I like the roster a whole hell of a lot more. I shouldn't say a whole hell of a lot more. I really like the Arizona roster, but the quarterback has a big question and I don't trust that team. I trust San Francisco to win football games, even if the roster is not there. They get the most out of their players. And that's why even if, even if you have that rookie, you know, essentially rookie quarterback, you know, I, I think Arizona is going to be a very similar story to what we've seen in the past. And, uh, and I think they'll either be second or third, but they'll be right in that ballpark. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, since we last had a pod, Kyler Murray got a $230 million extension, $160 million, $165 million guaranteed. Um, something I have been very vocal about on this pod is that I'm out on Kyler Murray. I'm just out on him. I'm not going to, 
I think it's a terrible idea to give him an extension. I get why they did it. You have to do it. Um, you're not going to let him be a free agent. You're not going to franchise tag him. Um, but you also didn't have to sign him this offseason. And after the way he acted and the whole, you know, requesting, you know, deleting everything off of his social media and all that bullshit he pulled back in the in February, I'm out on the guy. Um, in addition to that, I don't really love what they did this offseason. The Marquise Brown thing, I don't think helps them. Uh, Christian Kirk and Marquise Brown, they've been about as productive uh, on, on average in terms of their, you know, their averages and, and yards per catch and that kind of stuff. Um, and they're going to serve the same purpose. And they let Christian Kirk walk. And granted, he got a big contract from Jacksonville. I get it. But Marquise Brown, I don't know what he's doing there other than making Kyler happy. I love, always loved A.J. Green, but we all know A.J. Green's well past his prime. I love Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, one of my all-time favorite Philadelphia Eagles. Zach Ertz isn't what he used to be, even though he did have a good season last year. They bring back James Conner. Um, they brought in one offensive lineman, which should help that team. Um, and then you look at the guys they lost. They lost Chase Edmonds, all right? So now you just have James Conner back there. You lose Christian Kirk, who has been honestly the most reliable outside of DeAndre Hopkins that they have. DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for six games this year. Uh, they lose one of their starting offensive linemen. They lose Chandler Jones. They lose Jordan Hicks and they lose Malcolm Butler. So what is there to say that this team is going to be any better in 2022 than they were last year, which 2022 was much more of the same, which is Kyler getting hurt after a really hot start. And then an absolutely piss poor performance in the first round of the playoffs against the Rams. Yeah. To me, this all comes down to that. I think, when it relates between the Cardinals and who we just finished on the 49ers, it comes down to the start and the finish of the season. We know that Arizona is going to start fast and something's going to happen and it'll slow down towards the end. And we know that San Francisco, if Trey Lance gets the start, will probably not start in the hottest form, but will hopefully grow and get better by the end. And I think where those two intersect is going to be really interesting. I think that if Kyler has gotten the steal, you know, I think Marquise Brown, I think it's a good pairing. I think uh, on their just broken play scramble ability, those two guys are going to be great together. Um, I, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be really fun to see that, those two speedy guys in the field together. Um, now, I do believe that this team is probably similar talent-wise to what they were last year. So to your point, after an offseason of some controversy, and I am with you, I would not have rewarded that behavior – when you don't need to make that decision yet. But at the end of the day, um, with all of that behind them, can this team be better, the individuals and, and, you know, as a whole, can they be better than they were last year? And I think there's room for improvement, obviously, from last year, especially how they finished. But too much of it comes down to injury and how, you know, can Kyler stay healthy? And that's the big question mark. If he can, I think that this team could be definitely better than they were last year. If he can't, or if it's something serious, then then we're probably uh, we're probably sitting here talking about that contract again at the end of next year, saying, "Man, what was this really a smart move?" Oh, you will be death taxes and the Kyler Murray Week Eleven injury. <laughs> I mean, look, and you you nailed it, Vito, with the with the early season stuff. I mean, look, I don't know if you've seen this graphic too, but this is about Cliff Kingsbury uh, as a head coach, right? Uh, in his in 2021, through games one through seven, seven and zero. Oh. Rest of the year, three and five. 
2020, five and two through the first seven. Rest of the year, three and six. 2019, three, three and one through ga- seven games. Rest of the year, two and seven. And then in his five years at Texas Tech, he did the same thing. Uh, he, he was seven and 20 in the back half of the season in his five years as a head coach there. So uh, it is about getting hot. And the fact that you, and we'll talk about this, some of this when we do the schedules, but it's going to be harder for them to, to get hot and stay hot uh, as they have in previous years, uh, just based on their schedule alone. And then obviously uh, with the inevitable Kyler Murray injury, uh, especially without any run game at all uh, with, with James Conner being the only uh, premier back. Um, I think, I think that's, <laughs> they're going to be, they're going to be hurting by, uh, by week 11, week 12, whenever the, uh, like I said, the inevitable Kyler Murray injury comes. And, and even if Kyler doesn't get hurt, which by the way, your boy, Trace McSorley, third string QB for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, well, I don't root for people to get injured, but I'd love to see trace on the field. That's yeah, all I mean, I'm saying. That'll take Kyler and Colt McCoy, both going down. Uh, which That's I guess, who's who went, when was Colt? No, I guess Colt McCoy was after Chad Henney. So Chad Henney is still the, the resident old guy in the backup quarterback world. Um, but without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games, their wide receiving core looks like Rondale Moore, Marquise Brown, and AJ Green. Uh, don't love it, if I'm being honest. A lot of redundant skill sets, right? It's going to fall into that Cliff Kingsbury, air it out, spread it out, get the ball out quick. And they're probably going to put up a bunch of points and look really good through the first month or two of the season. Um, the defense to me is a huge problem, even though two of my favorite versatile kind of players who I wish played on other teams, Zayvon Collins, who was a rookie last year, and Isaiah Simmons, yeah. who I was really high on two years ago, they both need to take big steps up. But at the same time, Jordan Hicks, like I know Jordan Hicks isn't flashy, but he's been a really solid in, in middle linebacker in the NFL for a long time. And losing that and then ideally, yeah, you're going to hand it off to Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons isn't just going to play inside linebacker because then it's the same thing we've said about them for this. Like he's not, he doesn't thrive there, but he also is better used when you can use him in coverage and let him do a million different things. Um, Buddha Baker, we know is a stud, but everyone else in that secondary, I mean, Byron Murphy, we've seen be really good and we've seen him be God awful. Uh, Marco Wilson, Jalen Thompson. There's no one on that defense. I mean, JJ Watt is your best defensive lineman. Yeah. And you're relying on what 34 year old JJ Watt at this point, which again, everyone likes JJ Watt, but they don't have the depth. They, they have no defensive line help at all, which in this division, as well as the four games against the AFC West, you're going to need a good pass rush. I, this is the worst defensive front that I think we've seen so far in the seven teams we've talked about today. And yeah. I, I want, there are things, there are a lot of players I really, really like on Arizona, but I don't trust Kyler. I'm out. Daryl Williams is your second string running back. And James Conner, though, has had a great career from what he was expected to do out of Pitt. And obviously his story is incredible. I'm out. The offensive line, they, you know, Rodney Hudson's really good at center. Will Henderson has shown times where he's been pretty good. But DJ Humphreys, okay. Justin Pugh, he's okay. Kelvin Beecham, he's okay. So you're not protecting Kyler anymore. You're just going to tell him to get the ball out faster or he's just going to have to scramble even more. So I don't see a world where Arizona is a better team. I think they absolutely regress um, to a point where even if, if San Francisco wins seven or eight games, I still think there's a really good chance they finish second in the division. That's how low I am on Arizona. And Scotty, you hit it too. The schedule is daunting for them. And to go up against the AFC West, that's four games against four teams that are all better than the Cardinals. Unless Kyler has one of those special Kyler games, which we all love to see. 
But six games without DeAndre Hopkins, by the time he's in there, they could be one and five. They could be two and four. You know, I think it'd be it'd be great if they were three and three by the time DeAndre Hopkins gets back. I'd say yeah. Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins play the I'd set the over under on games they play together this year at four. Oof. I mean, this is their first six games. That's a good over under. They got to play. They got to play Kansas City week one, Vegas, the Rams, Carolina, Philly, Seattle. I think three and three there, you're ecstatic, and I think yeah, there's a really good chance you end up going two and four there. I think they, I think they yeah. drop at least one against Carolina, Philly, or Seattle. Philly, obviously being the best of that of that threesome there. Yeah, I think that's who would take them. You know, three. If you're three and three after six games without DeAndre Hopkins, you are ecstatic. And I don't think it's going to be that easy. I, I I don't think three and three is is realistic. Even I think it's more likely that they go two and four. But we'll see. The only thing that's so hard about this is this division. Like most in the NFL, every year there's some team like the Cardinals who just like beat the Rams out of nowhere, and you know what I mean. It's always just kind of all over the place. There's always interdivisional, like just craziness. And I feel yep. like this division of all of them exceeds in that for some reason with crazy games between them. So, them and that's the, the NFC East, you can always count on, yes. on a, the worst team finding a way to win, right? I mean, and <laughs> yeah. even after those six games, it's New Orleans, it's Minnesota, it's the Rams the second time, it's the Chargers, it's the, the Patriots, it's Denver, it's Tampa Bay, it's, you know, there's not a lot of easy wins on this schedule. It's a really hard schedule for them. Um, and, and on top of it, too, I mean, if you're playing New England, Tampa, the Chargers, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, all after week 10, when Kyler is, has been prone to be injured at that point, good luck. Good luck. Which, again, there's a lot of players I love on Arizona. I'm just – I'm not high on them. All right, last team here, and then we'll wrap up the pod, the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, they're in a completely different boat than any of the other teams we've talked about today because they there's a chance they, they could be the worst team uh, in the NFL. Honestly, that's as that's how low their ceiling is and potentially how low their floor is, depending on how you look at it. Um, where where do we begin here? Right? Do we want to talk about Drew Locke? Is is it even worth talking about Drew Locke, or do we just oh, talk yeah. about hey, this is just I want you to get a chance to talk about Drew Locke because you've got you <laughs> haven't gotten a chance to talk about him as a as a competitor before. Um, I just I, I don't see a whole lot of things to love about or really even be that optimistic of right now. I think the good thing about getting a guy like Drew in is you have a guy who has first round talent that gets a second opportunity, a fresh start with a new team. And he gets to bring over a pretty talented tight end, Noah fan. They got some draft picks. Yes, the expectations are low, but to your point earlier, when we were talking receivers, you're going in with DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett, and you know the expectations are a lot different probably here, right? They, the, the fan base knows that you just traded a franchise quarterback and, and you're looking towards the future. Yeah. So this is all cake. This is all icing. You can Whatever you do here, Drew Lock, to earn yourself a place in the NFL or in the league, it's all up to you. Uh, and that's why I think it's a great spot for him. This is a perfect place where I thought Baker might end up, if not Carolina, right, for that exact reason. And I, I'm really excited for him to get the chance. Now, I think as a fan, right, I've looked past a lot of things that he does wrong uh, because I was hopeful and a fan. Now that he's off the Broncos, 
I'm really interested to see his release time and what he can do getting the ball to the outside receivers because he has two great ones. And in Denver, that was all he did. He, he looked to the outside all the time. He didn't throw it in the slot that much or even to no fan his own tight end. So if he's going to get the ball outside of those guys, get it deep, make that where you put the ball. And I don't know what this team's going to do with their line and, and the running game. Like this is a whole mix. You know, they draft um, Ken, they, it's a team that's rebuilding and they spent a second round pick on Kenneth Walker. You yeah. Know, like, and they have Rashad well, Penny I mean. already. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I mean. Like, so is it, is it all him now? Or are they just going to make him like the dominant? Cause I love him, but like Chris Carson's point, still there. Right. I mean, so right. You still like, have Chris Carson, you still have Rashad Penny. You still have Kenneth Walker. Um, I was very vocal. I didn't love the Charles cross pick, but if that works out, at least you have a cornerstone, you know, left tackle yeah. there for the future. Boy, Amafi, I love that pick in the second round out of Minnesota. Um, the Kobe Bryant pick. Um, yeah, honestly, the most interesting thing here is who is more likely to get dealt midseason, Tyler Lockett or T- DK Metcalf? You think so? I mean, or do either of them go? I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're so far away from competing. They're going to have to pay. I mean, Tyler Lockett's past the point, but like DK is going to be up for a contract after this year. So who who is who? Who ends up getting? I would think it's probably DK for that reason. But are they a team that then teams target at the trade deadline to be like, hey, you know who, what we could use? A six foot five freak athlete who can run a four, three, 40 and out jump everybody on the field. Cause I'd love to have that guy on my team. Everyone would, to your point. I mean, I think that's as, as bleak as it is for Seahawks fan. I think that's, I think that's what we're looking at here. I think we're looking at a team that's trying to be one of the worst teams in the NFL and drew lock. <laughs> and it sucks for drew lock too, because he's teetering right now at that point where we, it's a weird thing with backups. Like we talked about Chad Henney and we talked about chase Daniels. If you're not seen enough, like you don't play enough, you almost stick around. Like Josh Rosen just got signed to Cleveland as a backup going into camp. Right. If, if you don't yeah. play enough games, then you kind of end up sticking around longer because you you don't get that stink of you as like oh this is a this guy's a bad quarterback, you know like Drew Locke's kind of in that thing where it's like if he plays a full season and is bad, I think Danny Dimes is in, is in this similar camp too. Like they may just not end up getting that like long extended life as a backup. Totally, no, that's a great point. I mean, when you have more tape, it's easier to pick people apart, and it's it's how you can get guys that are backups. Uh, that float around in the league forever. I, I, I do think there's an interesting case for the fact that Drew Locke has a good arm. He makes bad decisions. Can, can he rein that in a little bit? Will Seattle just pound the ball, right? If they go back to just pounding the ball and really limiting what he does, which again, he didn't really get that opportunity in Denver even this past year, but um, I would love to see him in a heavy play action set, putting the ball deep, and seeing what happens, he has a really he has a pretty good deep ball. He's no Russell Wilson, oh, yeah. don't get me wrong. He but can, like, he can chuck it. it. It would be really fun to see him with the same weapons that Russ had and see this comparison of like, okay, he's 60% of Russell Wilson, right? Like, yeah. what is the what is he on that on that bar? And what can he get the Seahawks as they move to a tanking-like situation? Is what it looks. And defensively, they're just I mean, I don't know, Scotty, you, you could probably speak to it more. On the defense, like, who are you worried about as, as a 49ers Jamal fan? Adams, that's about it. <laughs> and even still, yeah, he, I mean, are you really yeah, that worried catch about Jamal the ball. There's a whole, yeah. there's a whole uh, Instagram feed that's just dedicated and, to, like, Jamal Adams and, like, 
how Aaron Donald has more interceptions than than him that's in hilarious. the last like five years. And well, he's a, he's a run stuffer too. So that, I mean, yes. there's that, and, and that's going to be tough to run against. But the other guy I, I, who I will mention, uh, who's turning heads a little bit, is Jordan Brooks, who was the the understudy of of Bobby Wagner there uh, at middle linebacker. So I think I think he's a guy to to watch out for. But nobody else on that defense, save for like even rookie Kobe Bryant. Uh, I'm well, like, like you're and your old guy from Denver, right? Shelby, uh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah, Shelby, Shelby Brown, he, the defensive tackle. Um, yeah. no, 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 last name Shelby. Uh, oh. no, um, oh man, you're Shelby Harris. Thank you, Shelby Harris. Yeah, you're right. It was first name. I, I you got me jacked up there. Uh, so no, because I actually, Shelby Harris was great. He played nose tackle, he was really, really good. Um, it, it sucks to see him go. I think that's a huge help too to that defense. But um, I know, mean, they'll win. They'll win a game. handful of games here and there. I think we're no. almost guaranteed to see, um, you know, Geno Geno Smith starting at some point this year. I, I think that's almost a lock. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. But we're all in agreement. They'll finish last in the division, and they'll be in the C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Or whatever other quarterbacks you know are looking at next year uh, sweepstakes. <laughs> so, all right, um, oh, that is all fun. we got. Why don't we do this before we wrap up the pod? What conference do we want to talk about on Friday? Let's do a little on-air producing. Oh, all right. Are we gonna stick with like directional teams together, like North? All no, like no, no. We're AFC just gonna do the whole conference. Just the whole conference. So we'll just do all the Big Ten. We'll do all the SEC, all the ACC. The Big Ten West-West? Uh, let's do uh, – I mean, I'm, I'm all for the Big the, – the 2022 Big Ten. Yes. We'll clarify. <laughs> yes, we're previewing the football season, the 2022 football season. Let's start with the Big Ten. We'll, we'll just – we'll jump into it because there's a That's bunch easy. of stuff we can get into with that, and I that'll be on Friday, not Tuesday. Um. But that is the AFC and NFC West next week. Yeah, undecided yet. We'll figure that out. We'll have a conversation. We'll figure out which ones we're going to do next week. But these were the two clear ones I think that were most interesting to talk about, uh, mainly for the AFC West. But there's a, plenty of things to talk about with the NFC West as well. So, uh, boys, I love you both. Thank you for coming on. We will be back on Friday. Another episode of the Read Option. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody. I don't know. It's a good pod. I think so. And we'll talk to you guys then. Take it easy, everybody.